and believe I can confidently say I've never heard that song, song sung more beautifully. My goodness, I'm glad they did that acapella. Just, that was a blessing. All right, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, we'll begin our reading in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I both know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. My title this morning is Contentment. Contentment. And my subject is a difficult one. Because contentment is very, very elusive to most people. Even believers. Even believers. But I have three points from the, from the Word of God that will teach us about true contentment. And I pray that it will enable all of us to, to be more content to be able to find true contentment in whatever state our God has been pleased to put us in. I believe all my points are questions, and the first one is this. What is contentment? What is contentment? Well, the word contentment that Paul uses here means to have sufficient for oneself. Just have everything that you need. And it also means independent of external circumstances. Now the reason that contentment is so elusive to us is we understand the first part of that definition, don't we? I can understand being content if I have sufficient. If everything I want, everything I need, I can understand contentment. But by nature we don't understand the second part of that definition, that contentment, true contentment, is independent of external circumstances. See, the thing, the, the key to this thing of contentment is the second part of that, that definition. It's having my contentment be independent of external circumstances in the flesh. Now that definition tells me that having contentment, true contentment, is not having all that we want of this earth's goods. It's not having everything that I want for my body. True contentment, if it's independent of external things, can't be based upon external things, can it? True contentment is a matter of the heart. And it doesn't have anything to do with what I have or what I don't have. Contentment is satisfaction. I'm satisfied. Because I believe God. I have contentment because I trust Him. And everything that happens to me and to mine, I trust Him. That's contentment. Contentment is being satisfied with things as they are. Not as I wish they were, but as they are. And here's the reason that I can be satisfied with things as they are. Whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether I'm abounding or whether I'm abased, here's the reason I can be satisfied, content with things as they are. Because I know my God made this situation to be what it is. And I know he always does only what's right and what's, what's best. So I'm content because our God has done it. 
And I tell you the thing that keeps us from having contentment, being contented with things as they are, it's pride. That's all it is. It's, it's pride. Pride says, I deserve better than this. Pride says, I deserve to have what I see other people have. I deserve that just as much as they do. Pride says, I deserve that, what somebody else has. Contentment says, I'm satisfied with this situation. I'm satisfied with what God has given me because he's given me exactly what he intends for me to have. That's contentment. Now let me say this, and please listen to me. I don't think, hopefully nobody here will do that. Somebody listening to the recording or something might, but somebody is very likely, because of the flesh that we all have, is going to get real outwardly religious and they're going to take this thing too far and stress the scriptures and try to make it mean something it doesn't mean. And usually when they do this, they don't do it for themselves. They do it to, to put a burden on somebody else. They take this thing too far to, to put a burden on somebody else. Now listen, I'm not saying, and scripture does not teach, that we're not supposed to care about our welfare and the welfare of our family, the, the happiness of our family. You know, you parents, it's your job to be concerned about the welfare of your children, the welfare of your family. That's your job. God's given you that responsibility. Now, if somebody's hungry, don't say, oh, well, God intends for them to be hungry, so I'm not going to do anything about it. No, you have to eat. Then I'll tell you what to do. Go out and work. Work hard. Buy you some good food and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Don't, don't blame it on God, you know. If you're homeless, don't say, well, you know, God intends me to be homeless, so I'll just sit here, you know, in this, under the bridge somewhere, you know. No, you need a roof over your head. Now go work and, and, and as much as you can, buy something as sturdy and nice and as comfortable as you can. A place to live and stay out of the weather. Here, aren't you glad you're not homeless today? The snow blowing, it's so cold. You know, nobody's saying you have to be content with that now. If you have a, a bad boss, you know, you spend nine, ten hours a day at work and that boss makes you utterly miserable every second of every day. If you work for Ebenezer Scrooge, don't say, well, you know, God intends for him to be miserable, so I'm just going to, you know, sit here and relish in my misery. No, go out there and look for, for a new job. You know, go out there, what's the... the one of those job websites. Sign up on one of them things. See if you can get you a new job. And if somebody offers it to you, take it. As long as it doesn't stop you from worshiping God. As long as it doesn't take away your ability to meet together with God's people, you know, you take it. Faith in God, trusting God, does not make a believer fatalistic. Not in the least. Believers are to be hardworking. They're to be diligent. They're to be uh, resourceful. They're to be dependable people. You know, being resourceful and finding a solution to, to the problem that you have, that's not questioning God. <laughs> that's just not. Here's what the scripture teaches in regards to all these matters, and it's about contentment. Number one, most importantly, we're to pray about them, aren't we? Aren't we to pray about these earthly situations? Our Lord taught us to give us this day our daily bread. And I'm confident that doesn't just mean food we put in our mouth. It's, it's what we need in this life. Our Lord taught us, give the, us this day our daily bread. And then go work to earn it. Go get a job, work to earn it. Paul said, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. Isn't that right? 
So we pray. We pray and ask the Lord, give us what we need. Go work for what you need and then trust the Lord to provide what's best. See that? Work for, ask the Lord. Pray. Ask Him for what you need. He said, pray about all things. Ask me. Because I'm your father. What child is afraid to go talk to their father? Talk to him. And work hard, you know, to, to, to make a living in this, in this world and trust the Lord to provide what's best and right for you. See, we are to have some care about our welfare, aren't we? We're to take care of our families. We're to take care of our animals. We're to take care of our jobs. We're to take care of our reputation in the community. We're have some concern about those things. But this is what Scripture teaches. Don't have excessive care about those things. Don't have excessive worry about those things. See, if I'm really trusting the Lord to provide what's best, I'm not going to have excessive care, am I? If I truly trust the Lord, I know that uh, I'm just not going to have excessive care about the things of this life. Because I know there's something more important. Knowing Him, trusting Him, worshiping Him. That, that's more important. Now, nobody's saying the things of this life are not important. Now, how you provide for your family and, and how you work your job and those that's important. But the things of Christ are more important. See, that's what, what Scripture teaches. Give each of these things the attention that they deserve in, the, in their place. That's why our Lord told us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what you seek first. All these other things are bad to you. And that will keep us from excessive worry. That's contentment. All right, here's my second question. Why should a believer be content? Every believer ought to be content. Why should a believer be content? Well, I have a lot of reasons for this. I didn't number them, but there's a lot. First of all, I should be content because it's dangerous to be discontented. It's dangerous to be discontented. It's dangerous to be the person who can never be satisfied. There's a danger in that. There's a danger in that in my personal life, the life that I live in this flesh. If I'm always complaining about what I don't have, I'm very likely to miss out on the blessing of what I do have. If I'm complaining about what God hasn't given me, I'm very likely to miss out on the blessing of what God has given me. And boy, he's given at me. Hadn't he given hand over fist? Now, if you're unhappy in a situation, I don't blame you at all for seeking to change it. That's what you ought to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do that, and the Lord just closes every door, there's just no way out. He just shows you. He's not going to allow this situation to be changed. At least right now he's not. Then don't complain about it. Because remember, this is what the Lord should. If he closes every door, there's just no way out. A believer is to be resourceful, but boy, the Lord's just not providing a way out. Then the Lord's made it clear that this is the Lord's will in this situation for me. And since he does what's right and what's best, I'll be contented in it. Because contentment is independent of external things, right? Contentment for the believer comes with a satisfaction in the will of our God and a humble submission to it. That's that's contentment in the heart. And not having that, that takes away enjoyment from from my natural life. It makes it more difficult. It makes it less enjoyable. 
But boy, discontentment can do the very same thing. It can cause the very same damage to my spiritual life. If you and I here are not satisfied with the ministry that God, God has given us here, He's been pleased to give us this ministry. You know, He hasn't been pleased to give us one of the great ministries of the past. There's thousands of people there and all those things. But He's been pleased to give us this ministry. And we're just not happy with it. We're, we can't be contented with it. i tell you what we'll do. We'll be very prone to compromise. We'll be very prone to compromise the gospel. I'm not satisfied with the number of people who attend, so I'm going to compromise the gospel so I'll attract more people. I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to make this thing more uh, palatable to the flesh so we'll get more people here. So I'm just not satisfied. Can't be content with it. There's two big problems in that. Number one is this. If we compromise the gospel, we compromise the truth in order to get something externally, we've dishonored our God. We've dishonored our Savior. And we've harmed the souls of men. We've harmed their souls by not telling them the truth. And our second problem we get by compromising the gospel is this. Say you do compromise. Say you take the edge off of it. Say you do things to attract more people. You know who you're going to attract? Goats. That's exactly who you're going to attract. It's not going to attract sheep. Sheep are drawn to the truth. Sheep are drawn to Christ. Sheep are fed on Christ. But if we compromise the gospel, all we're going to get is goats. And nobody in their right mind wants to be a goat herder. Our dissatisfaction has, has harmed the church body had say somebody's not contented with the building it's it's not fancy enough it's not in a big enough place you know it's not impressive enough doesn't have columns doesn't have one all the well you know what we're going to end up doing we're going to end up garnishing the building and not garnishing men's souls with Christ by preaching Christ to them if somebody's discontented with their role in the ministry you know what they're going to do they're going to tear it apart they're going to tear it apart and scramble over everybody that they can to get the place that they want, to get the recognition that they want, instead of being submissive to God's will and doing what I can do for the ministry. Instead of being submissive to God's will and doing what God's given me to do, I'm going to do everything I can to do what I want to do. I'm telling you, it's going to tear up the, tear up the ministry, tear up the, the congregation, and we do that, we've harmed the ability of people to come together and worship in peace and harmony. Second, I should be content. It's dangerous to be discontented. But secondly, I should be content because you know what? God's given me everything I need. He has given me everything, both physically and spiritually. I don't think there's a person here that could disagree with that statement. God's given me everything I need. And I should be content physically speaking, in whatsoever state I am, because I'm telling you this, whatever it is I have, Eric is a whole lot more than I deserve. <laughs> I thank God He hadn't given me what I deserve. I don't deserve the least of God's mercies. Yet I can say with David, my cup runneth over. Uh, I should be content if, with the mercy that God, he, He's made my cup run over with the riches of His mercy, the riches of His grace. Solomon and all of his riches would be jealous of the life many of us live. 
Joyce Brown pointed out this. To the, you think what Solomon would give to have indoor plumbing. I mean, he'd be jealous of us. Oh, we're rich. We're rich. Oh, and spiritually speaking, how can we not be content? The Father has given us the unspeakable gift of His Son. He's given us faith to trust Him. That's good good religious sounding words, isn't it? To say, oh, I trust Christ. I trust Christ. And I tell you, I should be content trusting Christ. I don't want those things to be just words. I want this to be real in my heart. I should be content trusting Christ. Because even though my flesh is sinful, my thoughts are sinful, my ways are sinful, I'm so trapped in this nature of sin, the Lord Jesus Christ has made me the righteousness of God in Him. Even though the only thing I see about myself is sin, the Son of God has made me as righteous as Himself. I should be content, shouldn't I? Look back at Romans chapter 8. I should be content because whether I'm in the valley or on a mountaintop, whether I'm hungry or full, whether I'm abounding or whether I'm being abased, whether I'm on a valley or on a mountaintop, I should be content because God is doing the best possible thing for me right now. Whether I'm on a mountaintop or in the valley. Romans 8 verse 28, and we know. Now we know this, my prayer is God will help us believe it, make us believe it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, if what God is doing now is working together for good, I really should be content. If God give me faith to believe him and trust him, I will be. I'll be content in all these different situations. Here's another reason I should be content. Because our Lord is sovereign. Now in a time of trial, why is that, why is that time of trial come? Our God's sovereign. He arranged the events of, of providence to happen just this way. He, in His sovereignty, brought this trial to me. Now we know it's not an accident. God did it. Well, now I'm not going to complain about God's sovereignty. How He sovereignly brought me into this trial. Because you know what? It's him and his sovereignty that can bring me out of it too. (laughs) I'm thankful that God's sovereign. I don't have to find a way out of this trial. It's not up to me to climb out of the pit. God and his sovereignty is going to deliver me. And it's time when it's right. Here's one I should be content. It's independent of external circumstances. Because God's grace is sufficient. That's God's promise to his people. My grace is sufficient for thee. And anybody that's experienced God's grace will testify to this. His grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient to save the worst sinner, the most vile sinner. God's grace is is able to take the chief of sinners and save them to the uttermost, to make them holy, to make them righteous, to make them accepted in the beloved. I tell you, I'm content with the gospel of God's grace. I'm content with God's grace. I'm so content to rest on His grace to save me. I'm so content to rest on His grace to keep me. I'm so content to rest on His grace 
to one day present me faultless in the presence of God Almighty. I'm content with His grace, aren't you? It's sufficient to save. And God's grace is sufficient to give peace and contentment to the hearts of His people even in the worst trial. The storm is still raging, but God gives peace of heart even though the storm is as bad as it ever has been. I'm content with that grace. Aren't you? I'm content with that grace to to give peace to the heart. Then I'm, I'm content for this reason. All of us should be content for the gospel's sake. Almighty God has given us the gospel of His Son. He's given us the gospel. He's given us this gospel to preach and to believe, to hear and believe the gospel of God's Son that tells me who He is and tells me to trust Him. I'm, that's good news. God's given us a gospel of good news. Now, I don't know the, the message that, that generally preached, at, uh, I should say specifically preached, at all these different, um, as Brother Fortin used to call them, goat farms that people call church buildings around this town. But generally speaking, I know what they're saying. They're saying you got to do good. You got to do better. You got to work harder. You got to do this in order to get that. Brother, that's not good news. What if I can't do it? I mean, I can't do it, but what if, what if I realize I can't do it? What if something stops me from doing it? <laughs> what if I'm a thief on the cross? I can't do anything. I'm restricted from That's bad news. God's given us the gospel of His Son, their redemptions in Him. Now, don't go to work. Go to resting. Go to resting in Christ. Oh, God the Holy Spirit has been pleased to take that gospel of Christ and reveal Christ the Savior to many hearts here this morning. Many of you. Aren't you content with that gospel? No other message will will content me because no other gospel satisfies my need. The gospel of Christ does. I'm content with that gospel. Content to preach it, content to believe it, and have no other hope, no other message. See, by this gospel, the Spirit enables me by faith to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I see Him, oh, I see. I understand how God saves sinners. I understand how He cannot fail to save His people from their sins. I understand how He's going to keep all of His people. I understand how His people are going to be irresistibly drawn to Him. Just look at Him. Look at His beauty. Look at His righteousness. Look at His holiness. Look at His his character, His compassion for sinners. How can you not come to Him? I'm content with this gospel because by the preaching of this gospel, I have communion with Christ Himself. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, where just any small crowd is gathered together in my name, preaching Him, preaching salvation by Him, preaching His righteousness and His alone, He said, there am I in the midst of them. Oh, I like communion with y'all, fellowship with y'all. Oh, but what draws me here is communion with the Savior. He's here to comfort your heart, to speak to your heart, to draw your heart to Him. I'm telling you, not really, If I have the presence of Christ, 
How can I not be content? His presence is so glorious, it so overwhelms the rest of the situation, I don't care whether I'm abounding or whether I'm being abased. You can't see it because all you see is Christ. Does that make sense? Prisons would palaces prove. Jesus would dwell with me there if I have His presence. Then I should be content for the sake of the glory of God. Now what does it say about me? If I say, I publicly, I say, I, I believe God. I trust the Lord. I'm, I'm, I trust the Lord. I know Him. I trust Him. He's revealing Himself to me. If I say that, and then I turn around, I say that here in this building. Oh, that's, that's the gospel I believe. That's the gospel that saves me. That's the Lord who saved me. And then I leave here, and that's not my attitude anymore. Now, all I'm doing is, is complaining and griping about things that they are just not the way I want them to be. I'm just, I'm complaining about the, the affairs of this government. I can't believe just the, what people are doing and this, sending this, this whole society to hell in a handbasket. You know, just, oh, look what they're, I've been preparing to be a grouchy old man all my life. You know, I just, oh, just grouchy, but uh, all these people, look what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a point about those things. <laughs> not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, if I'm constantly complaining about those things, I'm, you know what? I, I, I'm giving off this impression. I forgot who's running the show. Politicians in Frankfurt, and politicians in Washington, and politicians here in our local governments, brother, they're not running the show. They're God's servant. God's put them there to do what His will is for this society. And when I'm constantly complaining about those things, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking away from the glory of our God. Because I'm putting the focus of everybody I can get to listen to me on people and on things and on events instead of on God who's running the show. What I should be saying, you know, I wouldn't do it that way, but God's doing all things well. I'm going to just trust Him. Let's wait and see what God's going to do with this thing. Let's just wait and see. And then when a believer comes in a time of trial, it, it's hard to be content, to find yourself content in a time of trial. When the, I mean, I'm not about a trial now. Or, mm. You know one big fear of every believer when the Lord brings us into that valley. Every believer worries. I'm going to dishonor the Lord. I'm afraid. I'm going to open my mouth and what's just going to vomit out is all the things of this flesh and I'm going to dishonor the Lord. But I can glorify God I can, for His glory to be just as content in times of poverty as I am in prosperity if my contentment is in Christ, in the glory of God, and it's, it's independent from these external things. Then I should be content for the sake of others. Now, I'm not so sure that contentment is necessarily contagious. You know, a, a believer who, who is truly content, that, that sure, sure is a good witness to other believers, isn't it? It's a good example of faith to others. But I'm just not so sure that, that contentment is really contagious because contentment comes from within. 
contentment is, is independent of, of these external things. But I do know this. Fear and murmuring and complaining and discontentment, those things are contagious. They're contagious. I've seen it happen. You have to. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in this very place. A group of people are, are, are together and they're, they're talking, they're, they're having a conversation and the conversation's happy. The conversation's pleasant. And then somebody walks up and joins the conversation and they start complaining. Well, all these stupid people are doing and this one's doing that and this one's doing that and I don't like this and I don't like that. And right quick, the entire conversation turns into a gripe session. I don't know that I've ever seen it happen in the reverse. I've seen it happen that way. And I would caution all of us on this. If you can't help people, at least don't hurt them with your discontentment. At least keep your mouth shut. If somebody is happy, at least keep your mouth shut. Let them be happy. It probably won't last long. Let them be happy while they can. Don't hurt them. These folks here, look around you. Do you love them? Do you have any care for them whatsoever? And God help us not to hurt them with our tongue. I now look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. I should be content because God has given me absolutely everything that I need. Now, he ain't given me everything I want, but he sure has given me everything I need. And when he, and things I want he doesn't give me, that's for my best too. He's given me everything I need. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we shall carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Now the word godliness Paul uses here means a reverence toward God, and a respect towards God. This godliness is knowing God, and it's trusting Him. Nothing does God more reverence than trusting Him, than trusting His Son, than believing His Word. And the word sufficient, Paul uses, means a perfect condition of life, so that you don't need anything. Now, God's given His people food and raiment. They don't have to beg. God's people do not have to beg. David said, I've been young and I've been old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And that wasn't just David's experience because he wrote that under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's given us enough, hasn't he? He really has. And the Lord has given his people a perfect condition of spiritual life. It's so perfect, the life he gives is eternal life in it. So we can never die. The Lord's made his people perfectly righteous. He's made them perfectly holy. He's made them perfectly accepted. He's made them a child of Almighty God. Joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that he's given you everything. In Christ, he's given you everything. We're content. Because we don't need anything else. Physically speaking, our clothes, maybe they're not the finest clothes. But you know, I can do without finer clothes. I mean, you know, cheap clothes covers your nakedness as much as, as fine clothes do. But I can't be clothed 
without the righteousness of Christ. I must have him. And since the Lord's given me his righteousness, made me righteous in him, I'm content. The Lord's given us shelter. You know, we can do without a nicer house. I guess that people we always maybe always like to have a have a, a nicer house. Jan and I passed this house for sale. I mean, this thing's a monster. It's a mansion. I mean, I think I bet that thing's going for two point five three million dollars. But it's on a real busy road. I told Jan, I said, Boy, I'd love to have that house. And she said, I know you would. I said, but I'm not gonna buy it. She said, Why not? I said, I don't like this road. That, that's the only thing stopping me from buying it, you know. Well, you know what I can do without that $3 million house? I really can. Janet says she'd be real happy not to. She says, too much to clean, she said. I can do without a nicer house. I can't do being found outside of Christ. Being found without Him. I cannot. Oh, God's been pleased to put me in His Son. To hide in His Son. To dwell in His Son. Oh, I'm content. I'm content with that. We all have plenty to eat. It may not be the most expensive food that you can find, but it fills the belly. It fills my belly too much. You know, I can do without more expensive food. I cannot do without feeding on Christ the living bread. I must have Him. And I'm content. Aren't you feeding on Christ? I'm content. I don't need anything else for my spiritual, but it's perfect condition of my soul i don't need anything else to feed on christ i have his righteousness now i don't have to wait for that glory i have his righteousness now i'm justified now i have forgiveness of sins now oh i have his grace now i'm content i don't need anything else because christ is my all now look at hebrews chapter 13 Here's the primary reason I should be content. It's the promise of God. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For, now here's why you're content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now this is the Lord's promise to his people. I'll never leave you. Never. I'll never forsake you. When you go into the valley, I'll go with you. When you go to the mountaintop, I'll go with you. Those three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. What did they find out? The Lord was already there. He was there before they got there. The Lord's with them. He's not going to leave his people. So no matter the trial, no matter the blessing, God is with his people. Now if we have his presence, what does it matter what the fleshly circumstances are? If we have his presence, do you want a palace? I mean, with that better circumstances like that around your flesh, that make, was that what you want? A palace, a toy would appear if I have the presence of Christ compared to Him. Compared to Him. I'm content because of His promise. Now here's the third thing, quickly. How can I learn contentment? 
I see what it is. I see what contentment is. I see why I should be content. But how can I have it? How can I have it? Well, Apostle Paul said you got to learn it. you got to learn it. And the Lord's got to give it to you. In verse 13, back in our text, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Here's how I can be content. The Lord gives it to me. He's got to give me contentment. And He's got to teach me contentment. And here's the way the Lord teaches His people contentment. It's through trial and affliction and suffering and loss. That's how He does it. You know, one way that the Lord teaches His children contentment is by teaching us what we don't need. What we don't need to be contented. And our Father is going to teach all of His children. He's going to teach them Christ. He's going to teach them. Isn't that what the Lord said? They'll all be taught of the Father. They'll all know who He is. They'll all trust Him. And the Father is going to teach His children that our contentment, that our peace, that our hope, that our confidence is not found in the things of this life. It's found in Christ. And He may take away some things of this life in order to teach us I can still be content without those things as long as I trust Christ. As long as I have Him. If I have Christ, I'm content. In trials and suffering and loss, those things also teach us the faithfulness of our Lord. They teach us the preciousness of the presence of our Savior. See, when the Lord sends trials to His people, He always comforts their heart with His presence. And then we learn, oh, it's the presence of the Lord in my heart that gives me contentment. Not the, not the things of this life. <laughs> when I learn that the Lord is faithful to His promise, and He promised to never leave His people, promised his grace is sufficient when i learn that the lord is faithful to his promises and he always does them and i learn the preciousness of them i learn the preciousness of his grace and the preciousness of his presence i'm going to be content to wait on the lord i will because he he is what i want his presence is what i want and i'm content to wait on him trials teach us to be content His grace really is sufficient. And you can't learn that until you need it. And when the Lord gives it, oh, how precious. I can't tell you how many times I have prayed for grace sufficient for this trial. Many times. And Aaron almost immediately he gave some. He didn't take the trial away now. But he gave something that made it easier to bear. That teaches contentment, doesn't it? I can be content waiting on God's grace. I can be content waiting on His presence. Because I don't need anything else but Him. I hope that will help you. I know contentment is a very difficult thing. But if we seek it in Christ, we seek it in, in His grace and His presence and knowing Him, we'll find it. We really will. Let's bow together. Our Father, we thank You for this time together. How we thank You that You have taught Your children that contentment, true contentment of heart is possible.
to have, even in this world of sin and this body of sin, that you give it to your people. How we thank you that you didn't make it a difficult thing to find, but that it is all in Christ, in Christ our Savior. Father, I pray you take your word as it's been preached, that you cause it to be beneficial to your people by taking this message and, and causing it to glorify Christ our Savior, causing us to have that benefit of looking to Christ, trusting in Him, relying in Him, in Him alone, and in trusting Him to find true contentment as we go on through this journey here below. Father, it's in Christ's sake, for His glory and for the good of Your people, we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.